Do the saints of old proclaim the Son of Glory? Here's Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. Moses was speaking and pointing them to what? The coming of Jesus. He spoke about Jesus. He said in Deuteronomy, there comes a prophet who will come like unto me, and God will require his every word at your hand. Listen to the words of Jesus when he spoke to the Jews. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. According to traditional Jewish beliefs, heritage is everything. But according to Pastor Xavier, Jesus Christ is the only heritage that's truly worth following. Let's join him in the book of Hebrews chapter 3 for three important simple truths about the position of Jesus and a study titled, Jesus is Superior to Moses. Jesus has been declared to be superior to the prophets as you know, the angels, superior to the first Adam. He redeemed everything the first Adam threw away. And therefore the author of the Hebrews, having established that Jesus is God, as well as man, because that's important, he proceeds to show that Jesus is superior to Moses. Moses is the golden calf in the book of Hebrews. Remember, Moses was revered by every Jew. In fact, though they knew that God had given the law, they always referred to the law of Moses. In the book of Acts, 15.5 is one and many others, the law of Moses. This exposition of Moses exposes the personal unbelief of these Hebrew Christians at this point regarding Jesus. So what we want to do is examine the superiority of Jesus to Moses, which is evident by three truths here in verse 1 through 6. Let me read the verses. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful in him, who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who builds a house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who builds all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which would be spoken of afterwards. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Now, here's the three truths regarding the superiority of Jesus to Moses. First of all, verse 1 and 2, Jesus is superior to Moses by virtue of his post. Jesus is compared to Moses here. Then secondly, verse 3 and 4, Jesus is superior to Moses by virtue of his person. Jesus is contrasted to Moses here. And then in verses 5 and 6, Jesus is superior to Moses by virtue of his position. Jesus is contradistinguished from Moses here. And he goes methodically and rationally and progressively and just wipes Moses out with Jesus. <laughs> Let's begin with the first. Jesus appeared to Moses by virtue of his post. Jesus here is compared to Moses. Notice first in verse 1. The call to these Hebrew Christians is to examine their past confession of Jesus which is in chapter 2, verse 5 to 18, in view of the humiliation and exaltation of Jesus through his human incarnation as the last Adam, who is the captain of our salvation, merciful, faithful high priest, pertaining to the things of God. In view of this, that's the conclusion, 
But all that is built upon the foundation that Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than the angels. Prophets, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Better than the angels, chapter 1, verse 4, down to 14. And then he gives the warning, verse 1 through 4, and then he gets back with angels in through Adam, the last Adam, in chapter 2, verse 5, on down to uh, the end of chapter 2. Now, they are asked to consider the apostle and high priest of their confession, Christ Jesus. Notice that. The exhortation is introduced by the word consider, which means to fix one's attention with eyes and mind to gaze so as to learn and comprehend. Consider intently so you learn. Look to the apostle. Look to the high priesthood of Jesus. Now the contemplation, notice, is regarding the commission of Jesus Christ. The word apostle means one sent forth, an ambassador, if you will. And it speaks of the full authority and power that he comes from heaven. He comes from heaven with the full authority. Now Jesus came with the authority from heaven. He was sent by God to man to speak and act for God the Father. Notice the contemplation is regarding also the position granted to Jesus. The high priest represented man to God and God to the people in the Old Testament. And he would represent the people to God, expiate, make the blood sacrifice, and then we'd come out and represent God to the people as he would bless them and direct them. Twofold office. The high priest was to go between man and God, a mediator, that's the word. Now, notice this was the understanding of their past confession. He's asking them to reconsider. They had confessed their faith, saying the same thing about Jesus that the Father had said. He's the one apostle, and he's the one high priest. They had confessed that. Now, very important here, the context. The context of the quote here declares the distinction between Moses and other prophets as to how God reveals himself to them. Moses being the ultimate prophet of the Old Testament. He's quoting Numbers 12, 7. You know the context. This is when Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because he married an Ethiopian woman. And they thought that he was taking too much on himself. Well, God can only speak through him. And the Hebrew text says Miriam was the initiator. That's why God struck her with leprosy. And God says, listen, you both come out here. You see Moses? I talk to him face to face, mouth to mouth, nose to nose, eye to eye. Every other prophet, I speak through dark similitudes, dreams, visions. Not my servant Moses. He's different from everybody else. Okay? So Moses being faithful, what did he do as God struck Miriam with leprosy? Aaron says, oh, Moses, please pray that she not be as one dead. And Moses intercedes for Miriam. And God says, if someone were to spit in her face, wouldn't you put her outside the camp for seven days? You put her outside the camp seven days, then she'll come in afterwards and God healed her. The parallel here is unmistakable and very vital for the context. The context here is the high priesthood of Jesus. What does he do? He intercedes for the forgiveness of sins. The context of numbers is exactly that. And so Jesus is superior to Moses by virtue of his post as Jesus is compared to Moses here. For Moses was the mediator for Israel to God. But Jesus is the mediator for all of mankind. You understand? Now notice secondly, verse 3 and 4. Jesus appeared to Moses by virtue of his person. Jesus is now contrasted. 
Not compared, but he's contrasted to Moses. Look at verse 3. These Hebrew Christians are told of the distinction of Jesus from Moses. The phrase, for this one, is in reference to Jesus who has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Due to the fact that Jesus is apostle and high priest appointed to God, makes him equal with God. And unique in that he's a God-man. He's told us that the first verse, the end of chapter 2 also. Jesus was crowned with honor and glory, chapter 2, verse 9. Moses only saw the glory of God. Jesus is the offshining of the Father, while the face of Moses only reflected the glory of the Father, glory that was fading away. Jesus fulfilled the law while Moses only gave them the law. What it's doing here is teaching once again from the lesser to the greater. Here it is again. The teachings from the lesser to the greater. Jesus is greater than Moses because he who built the house is greater than the house. The house again represents who? Moses, the house of Israel. Jesus is greater than Moses by virtue of the fact that Moses was one of the many in the house of Israel. While Jesus built the house of Israel, I stand before you as one among you, not above you. Jesus is the one who builds his church. You understand? The teaching of the Bible is that Jesus is distinct from all men. Jesus is God who became man by the incarnation to die for the sins of the world. That through him, the world might be saved. God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that through him might be saved. John 3, 17. Many people think that God has it out for man and that God's unfair. Listen, God cannot go any further than his son. If you're a father, you know how much you love your son. You can get a little glimpse. You know, my son is in recon in the Marines, and um, I just had a difficult time asking the Lord, Lord, just come for me, deal with my heart and all that. I was riding, coming to work the other day, and, and I was driving, and all of a sudden the Lord says, you know what? I understand what you're going through. I gave my son, and it just blew me away. Just blew me away. Because I can't tell the Lord, you don't understand. Hmm. Jesus is the God-man. Making intercession for the believer at the right hand of God. Therefore, he is able to save those to the uttermost. Those who come to God through him since he is always living to make what? Intercession for them, Hebrews 7.25. The book of Hebrews should not cause you to doubt your salvation. The book of Hebrews should cause you to be so fervent knowing that he is sufficient. So many people have been misunderstood the book of Hebrews. You should have the greatest boldness towards Jesus Christ after this book. Jesus appeared to Moses by virtue of his person. As Jesus here is contrasted to Moses. For Moses was one in God's house, but Jesus is the one who builds the house. And notice thirdly. Jesus appeared to Moses by virtue of his position. Jesus here is contradistinguished from Moses. Notice first in verse 5. These Hebrew Christians are told that Moses was inferior to Jesus due to his relationship to the Father. Moses was faithful. Listen, servant in all his house. The word servant only appears this time in the New Testament, and it depicts affection, 
nature of hearty character, not duty. Uh, in fact, the word is used in the Septuagint, in the Greek translation, for um, angels and prophets, as well as a physician who cares for the sick. The quote again is what? Numbers. Moses was faithful, remember, on the occasion where his sister and brother had spoken against him, and God got on them. They said he married an Ethiopian, and he thinks he's the only one God can speak through. And yet here, Jesus is contradistinguished from Moses. Listen, God says, Moses, I speak face to face from all others. Contradistinguished from all others. The quote here is the same application. I spoke Moses face to face, but my son has been before my face from all eternity. Jesus is not only superior to Moses, but all the prophets then. Moses had been faithful. The word is a servant leader in the calling on his life regarding the stewardship. He was faithful to lead the guide for the 40 years. But the word here again is very specific because it's a loving, affectionate relationship. It's not the word that is used for a bond servant by, for life, doulos. It's not the word that's used for a household servant, uh, oikotes. It's the word that is used of that affectionate, loving, caring relationship like a physician to the sick person. That's what God honors. That we do what we do because we love him. Notice Moses was faithful in giving testimony to those things which were to what? Be spoken afterwards. He was faithful not only in all that, but, and of course, certainly here it refers to all that Moses imparted to the people, the law, the civil, the moral law, the ethical law, the, uh, the tabernacle pattern, everything. He was faithful. But the context, again, is the apostleship and high priesthood of Jesus. Don't lose sight of that. Namely, that Moses was speaking and pointing them to what? The coming of Jesus. He spoke about Jesus. In fact, in direct prophecies, he said in Deuteronomy 18, 15, and 18, there comes a prophet that will come in my, like unto me, and God will require his every word at your hand. They asked John the Baptist, are you that prophet? What prophet? The prophet in Deuteronomy 18. Later on, he'll tell us in Hebrews uh, 8, 5 through 6, uh, shadows and types, they all spoke of Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 10, 7, I come in the volume of the book, it is written to me to do thy will, O God. The whole book, the whole Old Testament speaks of Jesus. Listen to the words of Jesus when he spoke to the Jews. John 5, 45 through 47. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you. Listen, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Now notice secondly, verse 6. So Moses is a servant. That's why he's inferior. And what did it say? He's a servant in what? In all his house. There's a, don't miss that. In his house. Look what he says here in verse 6. Secondly, these Christian, Hebrew Christians are told that the superiority of Jesus is in his relationship to the Father. So Moses was in relationship to the Father, that's his inferiority, but now the opposite, the superiority is because of the relationship of the Son to the Father. And here it is. He was a faithful son, here's a key, over his house, over his own house. Moses was a servant in the house. The Son is over the house. The contrast, once again, cannot be missed. Moses was faithful as a servant in all his house, Israel, but Christ is a faithful son over his own house. 
So Jesus is greater than Moses by virtue of the relationship of God the Father. He is the Son. He is God himself. Deity is ascribed to Jesus again. Jesus is greater than Moses also by his rightful office of Messiah. Christ. Christos. It means anointed, equivalent to the Messiah of the Old Testament. Jesus is greater than Moses by virtue of the fact that he is the head of all leaders, including Moses, due to the fact that he was one of and in the house of the nation of Israel. Jesus is the leader, the head of all leaders. He calls, he dictates, he orders. And so notice the houses identify for us. We're not left to our own interpretation. Whose house we are. The church, the people of God, the community of God's redeemed. Comprising of Jew and Gentile, no difference anymore. We're the church of God. We're his building, 1 Corinthians 3, 9. We are living stones, spiritual house through Christ Jesus, 1 Peter 2, 5 tells us. We are the church in the house of God in 1 Timothy 3, 15, 1 Peter 4, 17. The law came by Moses, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, John 1, 17 says. Notice the explanation of one who is part of the house of God and Christ the Son is given for us. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. This is one of the most accurate definitions of Christian faith. Holding fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope in Jesus being our apostle and high priest before God. The clearest definition of Christian faith that I believe that Jesus is the apostle of God sent and he's my high priest before God. There's no better definition of Christian faith than this. Notice the phrase, if we hold fast. A nautical term, again, to hold one's course towards, to retain from going away, appearing three times in Hebrews. In fact, it's translated, made towards the shore in Acts 27, 40, when Paul's ship was, was almost all destroyed and they made for the shore, holding that course. It's found here, Hebrews 3, 6, 14, and 10, 23. A nautical term, stay on course. Why? He's already told him, don't drift. He's going to go on to speak to him not to depart. If, in fact, it is used like that, then the danger is real. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians 2, 6, and 7, it's used to restrain the Antichrist, the same word, to hold him back. So the author is saying here, Paul, hold yourself back from what? Drifting, departing. All right? Not through your own energies, through the energy of the Holy Spirit, through trusting God, through growing in the word of God. We mentioned the cognate word take heed in chapter 2, verse 1. Pay close attention. Why? Because danger is implied. Notice the very end there, to the end. Now some say that it's omitted. Some of your Bibles have a footnote that says it's not found in the best manuscripts. Put a big cross, put a big circle, and a slash across it, okay? They're talking about the Vaticanus, which they believe is the, the best. But what they don't tell you is it's found in 5,000 other ones. Okay? But let's just give it to them. Okay, it's not in there. Well, let's go down to verse 14. What does it say? For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Uh-oh, busted. Let the Bible speak and shake and fear when it falls on you. Don't explain it away. Don't water it down. Let the word say what it means. The author here again, we, in verse 1, us, he's identifying himself with them. Yet he's not thinking that Jesus is not apostle or high priest. He's not drifting, but he's identifying himself with them, encouraging them like he tells them to. Two things we are to do, 
to hold our course that we might enjoy our life in Christ and not simply endure. Listen, the confidence, all speech, it means freedom of speech. In other words, boldness. You have boldness to say, Jesus is God's apostle and Jesus is my high priest. Are you a Christian? Yes, I am. Jesus died for my sins. And I stand on his atoning work, confident. Would you be confident if somebody says, well, I, I think he was. I mean, you know, I thought it was one time, but I don't know it anymore. Confidence. Rejoicing. It means boasting of the hope. Steadfast, stable to the end. Jesus is the blessed hope. The hope of glory. Titus 2.13 and Colossians 1.27. No one else. You have a seeming paradox here of divine work and human responsibility. Philippians 2, 13, 12 and 13. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's both God that wills and does of his good pleasure. Calvinism, Arminianism. Calvary Chapel has always been the middle ground. We believe both of them. Calvinism is extreme, and Arminianism is another extreme. Both being right in what they acknowledge, and both being wrong in what they deny. There is that middle ground that we don't understand, so you make sure you abide in Christ Jesus. You grow. Put all your energies into growing and serving Christ rather than doubting your salvation, okay? Listen to Jude 24. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. One day Jesus was going to Gadara. The demon-possessed man came out. Listen to him. He says, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. This man declared the contradistinction of Jesus from all other servants of God. Everybody's saying, who's that? Is that the son of Joseph? Is that Mary? The demon guy says, hey, hi, Jesus, son of God. Men and women all serve God. They're all servants of God. The most common conversation of the disciple was, who is the greatest in the kingdom? In Mark 9, 35, Jesus rebuked them as they were going to Capernaum, took a little child, and told him, it says, if anyone desires to be first, let him become last and the servant of all. A couple of chapters back, later on, Mark 10, 35 through 45, James and John came to him and said, hey, let us sit on the right hand, the left hand. The other gospel tells they sent their mommy along to try to see if they could talk Jesus into it. And, uh, and then when the ten found out that two asked it, they got ticked off of the two. Why? Because the ten had the same thing in mind, but the two beat the ten. That's why. Three and a half years of ministry, all of them weren't servants. They wanted to be served. Now, do you think you're more than the 12 disciples? You think that's not in your heart and mind? I am among you as one who serves. If you want to be great, be the servant of all. Listen closely to what Jesus said about how you and I are to view our stewardship. Listen, listen well. So likewise you, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Amen. Today, there are too many puffed up pastors and people in ministry because they've got money and success. All of that means nothing. This building means nothing if the word of God is not taught and people are not coming to Christ. And people are not being strengthened by the power of God and the word of God. Jesus appeared to Moses by virtue of his position as Jesus. is contradistinguished here for Moses. For Moses was a servant of God, but Jesus is the son of God. Moses in all his house, the son over his own house. And so here you have the superiority of Jesus over Moses. One, two, three. Jesus appeared to Moses by virtue of his post. Jesus is superior to Moses by virtue of his person. And Jesus is superior to Moses by virtue of his position. So you can learn to rest 
in the apostle and high priesthood of Jesus Christ and enjoy your salvation. Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of our great Savior. And we can send you a copy of today's message titled, Jesus is Superior to Moses, on CD for only $4. And by the way, we'll also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is, Jesus is Superior to Moses. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, it's important that you include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. How powerful is the gospel? Find out next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com